Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast. It is uh, Wednesday, September 4th, 2019. I'm Will Brinson. I'm your host of this daily CBS Sports NFL Podcast, getting real close to football. It happens tomorrow. Uh, while you're waiting for football, would you like to win a million dollars? I bet Why you would. would. Brady Quinn would. Brady Quinn's, Brady Quinn's like, I mean, I'm not saying you're rich, but I mean, you're a former professional football player. You'd still take a million bucks. I know, right? I, right. Who wouldn't? I know I would. I know Ryan Wilson would. Uh, and you can win a million dollars now. All you gotta do is play the parlay pick'em with CBS Sports. The process is simple. Download the CBS Sports app or go to cbssports.com slash parlay and submit your parlay card. I think I pronounced parlay 12 different ways. Once you're done, you're immediately in contention for big time cash prizes, including the chance at $1 million if you hit the perfect parlay. Plus, you don't have to hit it big to get a big payday. You're in points for every correct parlay with $10,000 on the line for the season champ. You can even start a buddy group by inviting friends to the competition for more action. So what are you waiting for? Go get that million. Download CBS Sports app or visit cbssports.com slash parlay. Now to take your shot at $1 million. Um, Man, I'm excited. Football is, uh, is, is about to be here. But before we get down to the, the nitty gritty and discuss, uh, the potential ramifications of a Zeke Elliott contract and, uh, and all the other news and interesting storylines that Brady and Ryan and myself are locking in for the season, two pieces of information I gotta ask you about, Brady. Uh, what are you more disappointed by? Notre Dame's poor showing against Louisville and all of us, a measly 18 point victory in, uh, Cardinal Stadium or the fact that Cam Newton officially broke your world Guinness Book of World Record for most one-handed catches, which you set last year at the Super Bowl with Jarvis Landry. Um, so for starters, it wasn't mine. It was Jarvis's. I've said that at the time, and I'll say it again. Um, I did see some of the video. It looks a bit suspect, in part because you don't actually see how far away the guy is who's throwing it, and that was one of the requirements you have to be a certain distance away which makes it more difficult for the catch and obviously more difficult because further distance more time between throws um and, and i remember watching the beginning of it thinking how slow the balls were coming to him it didn't look like they were at the proper distance so it seemed a little bit suspect um if cam newton could do it though i feel like anyone could because he's he's a freak athlete like he's got huge hands uh, and as I said before, it was our first try doing it. I do think we could have improved the number had we tried it again. However, the guy at the Guinness Book of World Records looked like he liked drinking a few Guinness and he needed to get to the nearest bar. Uh, <laughs> so we didn't get a second shot at doing it. But nonetheless, um, you know, congratulations to Cam if it is legit. However, it didn't look very legitimate. It looked like, who was it with Dude Perfect? Uh, no, it was like yep. Mr. Beast or something. Oh, Mr. Beast. But the, the reason. Well, whoever that is, but it looked, it looked like one of those groups who does things a hundred times and then they film it once and they're like, no, we did on our first try. Oh my gosh. Oh, bro. He banked it off the backboard through the uprights with like this twisty McFace 90. Crazy. Um, a quick story on that actually. So Alex Tanny, right? Yeah. He came to Kansas City in 2012. We called him Trick Shop because he had made – he was from Monmouth, a D3 school. Mm -hmm. He had made a video of him throwing the football, all these different trick shots. So he gets to Kansas City. We start throwing at the net, throwing trash cans. We have competitions. So basically me or Matt Castle are winning the competition every time. It's me, Matt Castle, Ricky Stanzi, and Alex Tanney. Tanney's dead last every time. Hmm. And in fact, it's really not even close. And so, you know, we start kind of giving him a hard time and we're looking at Scott Pioli, who was our general manager at the time. We're like, where'd you get this guy, huh? What do you buy? We would just sign him off his YouTube clips and uh, we're talking trash to him. And then finally he eventually says, well, you know what? 
I actually didn't um, do all of those throws. We had to edit in some. And I'm going, are you serious? Like, you you basically faked your way into a potential NFL tryout. Get it? Like, more power to you. But that's where we're at with this thing. So from that point on, I was always very skeptical when there's not actual video proof. There isn't in this case. Uh, so I'm a little bit suspect of the Cam Newton one. That's, that's all I'll say. Can I, can I just add that the first thing I thought when I saw that as someone who may or may not be, uh, maybe, uh, heavily invested in the Panthers this year from an over-under perspective and from a futures perspective, that maybe it's not a great idea to have someone throwing a bunch of footballs at your quarterback's right hand. Like he's catching it one-handed. I get he's a professional athlete. I, like, I, you know, but it just feels like, 51 like lasers directed at Cam Newton's fingers is a bad idea. Am I crazy or does that sound soft like somebody who doesn't ever play football? <laughs> does it does, I guess, yeah. Ryan, what was your input on this? Uh, it didn't cross my mind about Cam Newton catching footballs. I mean, if he was slinging them around with a shoulder injury, maybe, but I wasn't concerned. And you just hit on it, Brady. I mean, the man has a size. His hands are bigger than Brinson's face, so I don't, I don't think catching yes, the football much really. Bigger. And Brinson's got a big face, big head when you include the hair. Um, That's right, yeah. So, I mean, Jarvis uh, Lander didn't walk away from Brady shaking his hand. I think he was okay. I mean, but the, yeah. se- the season was over. They did this like on the ki- like, like the, the beginning of the season. I, th- and I think we were both hungover too when we did it. I, w- I would love a shot at it, just you know, straight sober, not out at Super Bowl partying the night before uh, with you wild asses. Uh, I'll put it that way. Uh, apparently, our, our writers at CBS might be the most wild or lit or I don't know whatever you want to call it of, of any of the writers for any of these you know broad you know networks or publications. I'll put it that way. Hey, look, a, this, this this coming from the guy who nearly got murdered by his wife with a horseshoe when we went out. There. <laughs> <laughs> All thanks to you guys. All thanks to every single writer that was at the NFL for CBS. You guys needed to go there for some reason after dinner after we had a few bottles of wine. Yeah. That, that got, uh, we did play actual horseshoes and it got really dangerous at whatever bar that was in, yeah, under, indoor horseshoes. That was a problem. Yeah. Or, the bar. Yeah. Indoor, indoor uh, horseshoes can get you. Uh, yeah, anyway, it's Brady's, Brady's night ended at 2 p.m., uh, 2 a.m. Our night ended at 4.30 a.m. Yeah. Well, we went and played bocce. That was a blast. That was, that was idiotic. <laughs> yep. Played bocce from 3 to 4.30 in the morning at a downstairs bar in Atlanta. What, what doesn't make more sense? Um, right. you know, actually, what would be dumber than playing bocce? In a downstairs bar in Atlanta until four thirty in the morning, giving a running back eighty million dollars. But it sounds like Brady, that's what the uh, Cowboys are about to do. Uh, actually, ninety million dollars, I guess, six years. Ninety million dollars is the original. And look, this is the Zeke Elliott situation. It's the daily Zeke update. We're recording this on Tuesday night at six thirty p.m. I don't want to dive too much into the specifics of the contract because. Lord knows it'll change between now and the time people listen, and it could break tonight, probably more like Wednesday morning. Zeke has flown back to Dallas. If you believe all the Twitter uh, shots you see, he, he was on an airplane. People were I mean, just every no nobody gave one crap. They're just like look, like just like snapping pictures, and he you know he's presumably flying first class back from Cabo. Goes back to Dallas. His agents, his entourage are all there, and. Mike Florio, Pro Football Talk, floated, Brady, that it might be six years, $90 million, all told for Zeke. What say you, because I think I heard you body Pete Prisco over this on CBS Sports HQ at one point on uh, on Tuesday, but what say you to the latest Zeke rumors? Uh, well, look, he should be the highest paid running back. He should surpass Todd Gurley. He's had more production since he's gotten into the league. So um, the six years, $90 million, which... You know, what you really have to look at is the new money uh, and, and, you know, what's all tied into that if you really want to break it down. But I do believe 
you know, they'll make the narratives as, as such that he gets this average annual of 15 million or whatever would, he would need to surpass Todd Gurley. I'm just more curious to see the, the guarantees because that's ultimately, you know, what the Dallas Cowboys are on the hook for. And given his, you know, off the field uh, discretions, you know, yeah, I'm curious to see how they structure it because at any point in time, he could be going to a rave in Las Vegas, and then all of a sudden he's missing six games that following season for uh, something that falls in the player conduct policy. We've seen that before. So that that would be you know my one thought on whatever deal they end up signing him to. Right. So, uh, yeah, good. I just want to ask, so is that something, obviously something the Cowboys would want to write that in the contract because he, has, he struggles to stay out of trouble when they're not playing football. Uh, if you're Zeke's agent, what are you telling Jones and company when they bring that up? Uh, you know, it's it's probably one of the um, – I, I assume his representation makes him aware of it because he has to, but uh, I also think it's something that Zeke would probably gladly agree to, thinking that he's not going to make a mistake in the future like he's done in the past. Mm. He's going to grow from it. Every player thinks that. Every player thinks they're always getting better, they're always improving, and then they forget that in that instance where they're intoxicated or they're infuriated by something, they revert back to their old ways. So – uh, I would, I would, it would not be shocking to me at all that he would agree to it, um, for, for that very reason that he's confident in him being able to control himself moving forward when, you know, really we don't know until we get to, to one of those adverse conversations or, uh, situations when he's out at a, a club or out at, um, you know, some concert or something. So I, I think it is interesting, right? I mean, 90, if it is six years, $90 million, that is $15 million a year. Um, but, we don't know whether that is, that is going to, and I'm like, I'm, let's not get into the specifics, but here I am diving into a hypothetical situation. Um, but, it, but if that is adding on six years to his existing, two, current existing two years, that's really a lot less. It'd be 107 divided by eight, right? Which is about $13.4 million a year. And it means the Cowboys will get him pretty cheaply under $10 million a year for the next two years before this new contract sets in. So that's what's curious to me is, how much guaranteed is he just going to get a fat signing bonus now and it's prorated over the course of that eight years? Um, like I, I, it feels to me like this is going to shake out in a way that's going to make us say, yeah, Zeke is the highest paid running back, but this is not a good deal for Zeke. My, well, uh, go ahead, Ron. Whatever it is. I mean, if it's in the 14 million, it's a great deal for Zeke given the position he plays, but he's not going to take a deal that's just added onto the back just because if he gets hurt tomorrow, that's a problem for him and his people. Uh, I don't know why it took so long, but we talk. I mean, it always takes to, to the 11th hour. I mean, if you want him in there, and we, we talked about this on the previous podcast where Jason Garrett said, well, if he shows up, he'll be ready to go for the Giants. And I don't know if you want to rush him out there. And, you know, he's apparently lost weight. I don't know if he's put that weight back on. He's working out in Cabo, but I don't know what he looks like. I'd imagine he hasn't been tackling people or getting tackled, so he's not in football shape. But I, I'd imagine, you know, it's going to be – around the $15 million mark, and then, you know, as you just said, we're talking about details. We don't know the details. How long? I don't know any of that, but I imagine sooner rather than later he'll he'll be the highest paid running back. I'll take a guess at it, but I think the numbers you're hearing, the six for 90, are including the $12 million he's scheduled to make roughly in the next two years. And so you're tacking on four more years, right? And so that's where they're getting the six from. And they'll say, well, we're ripping up the deal. But really, they've already forecasted for the 12 million he's scheduled to make next two years. So you're talking about new money, you know, 78 million uh, in, in new money onto this deal. And then it's really about how they go about structuring that new money uh, with the four years added on. So uh, I think that's how they get to that number. 
Um, and, and again, it's going to be interesting to see what percentage of it's going to be guaranteed. If, if you were at that $45 million mark, that's 50%, right? So that, that'd be a decent deal, uh, for Zeke in that case. And that would, that would literally be three years of guarantees, yeah. uh, which you seldom see for uh, any position other than a quarterback. So that is somewhat significant in that regard. And look, if his agent and, and, and Zeke Elliott for this, in this matter, care about setting a precedent or care about resetting the market, in a way that would be resetting the market in that regard. Oh yeah, no, for sure. And, and you're right. Sorry, I said 16 million. It's actually, you're right, 12 million because his cap hit over the next two years is 16 million currently. Um, and maybe, maybe they're looking at this like, Hey, let's front load this because you know, they also signed Lyle Collins. They also signed Jalen Smith. The, the, I got I'll give credit. To, I've been sarcastic about it on Twitter. Give credit to Jerry Jones because he is playing head games with Zeke. Yes, Ryan, you gotta give him credit. He's, he's signing these guys to below market deals, guys who fell in the draft and didn't make a ton of money when they were picked, guys who were dealing with RFA statuses and all of that, who, and, and then, then he's like, well, the pie's just disappearing. Somebody eat, somebody's eating all my pie. This is no pie left for Zeke. <laughs> See, There's tons but, but of I, pie. There's but, so much but, pie. But I think it also forces Lyle Collins and Jalen Smith to come to the table too. Because sure. if they're talking about or their representation are presented with an extension and they say, yeah, no, we'd rather wait another year. Then they're like, ah, right, might not be any pot left for you either. <laughs> yeah, you know? so, yeah. so then it becomes this conversation of Jerry's using this, this you know, theoretical, this, <laughs> this fictional pie. I don't know how big the pie is. I don't know how many pieces there are. But all I know is it seems like there's a plenty of pie to go around because Everyone's getting extensions. <laughs> Brinson gets an extension. Ryan gets an extension. Everyone's getting an extension at this point in time. Or like, Jerry Jones owns CBS. I feel like we'd have a job for life at this uh, point. Oprah Quinn just handed out extensions. What does this mean for Dak and Amari? They still got a lot of guys to pay. Byron Jones. I'm looking there. 12th in terms of salary cap space available for 2019, 15 million and change. That necessarily doesn't mean anything when you're talking about these three guys you have to sign at some point. I'm assuming they're going to sign all three of them. And then we haven't even gotten to the, we don't know the numbers yet about Zeke as we talk about it. So is that a concern or are they going to be able to sign all these guys? I don't think they're going to be able to sign all of them. I think Amari Cooper doesn't get done until after this year. If he blows up, has a great season, use the franchise tag to negotiate a longer term deal with them. Uh, if you can, that number might be expensive, but it is what it is. Um, yeah, and, and look, with Dak Prescott, it all comes down to me what Dak wants to do if he wants to bet on himself. He could find himself in a Joe Flacco-type situation going in the last year of his deal. And granted, um, you know, Flacco was able to convert that into, you know, the biggest, you know, contract or extension at the time because he won the Super Bowl and became the MVP. Maybe Dak will do that. They obviously still have the ability to use the franchise tag on, on one of those players next year. I just think it's difficult to get this deal done because of the two million you have to work with. It's just, it's not a lot of money to figure out, you know, how you give Dak the deal that he's looking for, given that he's next up and he's going to want, you know, somewhere north of $30 million, north of what Carson Wentz got. Yeah. And the problem too is that if you don't get Dak and Amari done, presumably they're not going to negotiate during the season, uh, which means that you are staring down one of them leaving an unrestricted free agency. You can only use one, the tag on one guy. And the same thing with Byron Jones. It's possible that, you know, Jerry could convince all those guys to come back with a big contract in free agency. But I would expect that, um, Amari, given his age, Dak, given his position, and Byron Jones, given his upside in production so far and the need for secondary players, uh, all would command big, big dollars in the free agent market. Let me throw this by you guys because I talked to John Schneider today, general manager of the Seattle Seahawks, and I asked him point blank, you know, with the trade for Jadavion Clowney and 
obviously, um, the, you know, after a certain date, you know, you can go about negotiating that kind of deal. And one of the things that was rumored to be negotiated with Clowney was the fact that they couldn't use the franchise tag on him after this year. And when I asked Schneider about what the plans were and he said, well, you know, we can't negotiate it with him during the season. That, that time has ended and we'll do our best to give him a pitch before free agency starts next year. But he kind of left it up to that. And, and maybe more teams are, you know, willing to take that risk that they might lose them or that offer might go up. And if they can't compete, they can't compete. Um, but, you know, maybe they're banking on the fact that, look, if we show him how <clears throat> what a great environment we have in Seattle, the fact that we're a team that's going to compete for the Super Bowl, there's no state income tax. You know, maybe all those things are worth it for him enough to want to come back regardless of, what other offers are out there that may be more or on uh, the fact that they can't use the franchise tag now. So maybe this is a new strategy too with teams where they're like, you know what, go test the waters and, and you can feel free to come back because, you know, sometimes, um, you know, it, it, the grass isn't always greener and maybe you can go out and visit, and come back and, and come back and sign with us. Brady, you actually talked about this on the previous podcast that the, uh, maybe the, the sort of the missing link, the, the hidden factors playing for Pete Carroll. You said you wanted to run through a wall going to practice. So maybe getting in the room with Pete Carroll, working with Pete Carroll, having Pete Carroll rip his shirt off while you walk around with your shirt off will get, <laughs> you know, Davian Clowney pumped and, and want to come back. And also this is going to be a really good football team. I can't imagine they're going to be terrible. Um, no chance we can have them winning the division, but, um, maybe uh, Pete Carroll has a big part to play in, in Clowney's future in Seattle. I think so. I think he'd be a good fit because Clowney does some unique things. Uh, athletically, but also from his experience playing in the three, four. So even though they're a four, three, he could do some different things that they can mix in and do with them. And, and the environment's just different, man. I, I wish I could explain it to you guys because it feels like, you know, a raw, raw kind of pep rally every day when you get the team meetings. And it's just different. It's different when you feel, you know, like you can be, you know, whatever you want to be. And they'll gladly encourage that. Like the NFL now, you get the sense with some organizations, they want you to fall in line. They want you to protect the shield. They want you to not say anything and be who they want you to be. Pete is 100% open to guys acting and being how they want and accepting them for what they are and then allowing that to be a part of what makes Seattle unique and special. So uh, it's a very, very unique environment. You're right, Ryan. Maybe that will be enticing enough or attractive enough where he's like, I don't want to leave this place. I'll, I'll take maybe a little bit of a discount just to stay here. Hey, they toss the fish around. They got Russell Wilson. You got a uh, Pete Carroll's shorts and his, uh, his, his shoes. I mean, it's a special place to be. Yeah. No, yeah. it's, it's one that, that you know, they consistently beat your Carolina Panthers. So that kind of makes some sense. That, no, I'm not even kidding. I love the Seattle Seahawks. I, 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 the one, the, the worst they've done is nine and seven since Russell got there. I mean, it's a positive environment. You know what I'm saying? Uh, speaking of positive environments, after the break, we're going to talk about uh, Matt LaFleur and the Green Bay Packers, as well as Brady's five games to watch uh, in week one. The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. 
The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads ensure you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drives you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. Whether you're tailgating out in the dirt lot, Carter Finley, shout out Carter Finley, or whether you're whitewater rafting, taking the entire family on an adventurous trip, maybe you're out camping at Mount Rogers, I used to go as a kid, wish my parents had a Hyundai Santa Fe, the Hyundai Santa Fe is perfect for your family outing, learn more about the all new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com, call 562-314-4603 for complete details. All right, so week one is basically here. We're 24 hours away or so from football, and uh, we're trying to pick up our best storylines heading into the first week of the season. Brady, what is the uh, – well, look, we're going to – we're not going <clears> to <throat> sugarcoat it. Packers-Bears has to be one of the biggest games to watch. First of all, what do you make of Matt LaFleur getting tired of this audible thing? You guys will just not stop with this audible thing, LaFleur said on Tuesday via theathletic.com. It's unbelievable. What do you want me to say? It's comical to me. Obviously referring to, uh, Aaron, Aaron Rodgers, a freedom to audible and, and the, the, the relationship between these two. What, what do you make of, of where we stand with the, the Rodgers LaFleur love fest? I, you know, it's just, it is a different day and age with the media because people tend to make such a big deal about the littlest things because they have to, they have to write about something. You have to talk about something. There's nothing else to discuss at certain points in the year. So that's where the story got started. It's taken on a life of its own. And, and to think that a first time head coach who's working with arguably one of the greatest talents at the position ever isn't going to allow him to audible within his system or doesn't have the ability to audible within his system is absolutely asinine. So it's gotten way more run than it deserves. Aaron Rodgers, when he gets on the field, is going to get their team into whatever the best play is within Matt LaFleur's system. And that's the end of the story. Like, I don't feel like there's a lot more to it. I just, I feel like for whatever reason, we want to keep acting like even if Matt LaFleur calls a play that Aaron Rodgers can't just audible anyway. I mean, look, we would never know because if that play turns into a touchdown, is Matt LaFleur going to publicly out Aaron Rodgers for audibling a play away from something he called as something Aaron wanted for a touchdown? No. So it, it's like these are some of the things that I, I think the media just gets – I'm not even sure how to describe it – just obsessed with and can't let it go or needs to make more of it because outside of that, Green Bay is actually a team that I think has a lot going for them this year and has pretty high expectations. Mm. Ryan, where you at on uh, – you think LaFleur and Rodgers hate each other, don't you? I don't think they hate each other. I, I'm going to be curious to see how this works out. He's four years older than Rodgers. We know Rodgers can be grumpy at times and uh, prickly. And, <laughs> and, you know, he didn't have the best relationship with Mike McCarthy, and that is clear why. Mike McCarthy was sort of stuck in the past with some of his offensive concepts, and we know about all that. But um, LaFleur also – is very strict about how he wants to run his offense. So I wonder how much leeway he's going to give Rodgers if, if Rodgers is audibly out of things that he wants to run and it's not working. Now, like Brady said, if, if Rodgers throwing touchdowns on audibles, no one cares. But if he's 
throwing interceptions or not completing, you know, third down situations. I wonder how long that goes before LaFleur says anything, or maybe he never does. He just shuts up because he's a first year coach with not a lot of leverage. Is there any chance, Brady, that the Packers defense is actually good this year? Uh, yeah, I actually think there'll be a top 10 defense. Whoa. I mean, look, second year Mike Pettin system. You tell me with all the youth full talent they've drafted and the guys they brought in via free agency, how is this team not going to, you know, get pressure? How is this team not going to be much improved? Uh, so I, I'm betting on that. And I think the other thing, you know, outside of, um, the, the Bears offensive line, I think Minnesota's offensive line susceptible. We saw that last year. I think you look at Detroit's offensive line, they're a bit susceptible too. So I, I kind of look at the division. I think like this is, this should be a defense that has, I don't want to say a field day, but you know you could you could say maybe they'll be similar to Minnesota this year, uh, and that's saying something considering how good Minnesota has been in years past under Mike Zimmer. So uh, that that's the one side of the football for a team that I'm expecting really big things out of this year. Would that would that would that can I then assume that you uh, I assume assume that you would take the uh, Packers plus three on Thursday night? They're getting three and a half. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll definitely take that. Look, it's, there's all it's the in Chicago. In it's, in, it's in Chicago. I mean, yeah, I don't care. I mean, Aaron Rodgers is own Chicago. So okay. uh, well, I'll put it this way. Their, their offensive line solid. Well, how big of a step Mitchell Trubisky will take in year two under Matt Nagy? It's kind of yet to be seen. Like we don't know how good he'll be or how, how good this offense will be, uh, with Trubisky. Like what is their ceiling? The defense not having Vic Fangio. I don't know. Does it matter that much that Chuck Pagano's not calling the defense? It could, could be a huge difference. Adrian Amos isn't there. You know, there's some slight tweaks to their personnel. So, you know, every year is different. And I think we saw the Bears play ridiculously well last year, but we also saw it from the Jaguars two years ago, helped them get the AFC championship. And the next year, it really didn't matter. Ryan, where, uh, where's your head out on this, uh, on this spread here? Yeah, I'm leaning towards the Packers. I don't know what to expect from Mitchell Trubisky. I, I know that you and Sean, are all in on the Mitchell Trubisky win in the MVP. No, 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 no. 200 to 1. 200 to 1. Just with you. I didn't even bet it in real life. I just bet you $5 and you have to give me $1,000 that Mitchell Trubisky wins MVP. I like those odds. Um, right. And I bet you, I gave you 201 odds on something else. I can't remember what that is. So we have to, what was that? Uh, I don't remember either. It wasn't even that bad. Either way, I don't know what Trubisky's going to do. He, the fact that Nagy was frustrated with him during training camp, Leads me to believe that he's not fully bought into what Trubisky can provide, and we saw it last year. He's you know short hopping passes, he's airmailing passes, he he makes suspect decisions at critical moments. I would like to see him improve, and I think that would be a big part of the Bears getting better. But I'm not convinced, based on what I saw last year, that it's going to magically happen over one summer. No, no Packers head coach of the last four that have been hired: Mike McCarthy, Mike Sherman, Ray Rhodes, or Mike Holmgren has made the playoffs in his first year. Interesting stat from uh, our uh, stud producer Debo there. And a losing record. Does Matt Lafleur break that string? Uh, break that uh, string of, uh, of of instances? Yes. Okay. Yes. Bears make the playoffs, yes or no? No. Mm. I think they go nine and seven, but they just missed the playoffs. Do the Vikings make the playoffs? Yes. Okay. All right. Just trying to get your feel there, because last year you were uh, you took some heat for the Bears. Took some heat for the Bears, Brady. Yeah, saying Mitchell Trubisky at times was inaccurate or inconsistent. I mean, that, that was fairly real. I mean, that's the problem is people want to look at a box score instead of watching film. And so I'll gladly take on anyone who wants to, um, you know, say anything about my opinion on it. But I also would challenge them to watch as much tape as I do, and then you'll get a feel. I like it. I like it. You've been hanging out with Pete a lot. Watch, look <laughs> at the tape. Look at the tape, Brinson. 
Stop, stop, hey, stop. I in the sky doesn't lie, man. And stop. that's why, unfortunately, there's a lot of uh, misguided opinions out there. Mm, it's very true. Titans at Browns is your number two game to look at. Um, do you anticipate, and and if you do, what do the Browns need to do to live up to the hype uh, of week one? They need to win. I, I can't think of the last time they had a season, won a season opener. I'm sure you can look that up while we're kind of sitting there chatting about it, but I know it's been a while since they won a season opener. Um, we didn't over the three years that I was there back in uh, 07, 08, 09. And I, I want to say maybe it's been, been since then. I, I don't know. It's been a long time. Um, but that's the first thing. The other thing is, like, is this hype for real? Is this team for real? Are they going to go just lay a, a whooping on the Tennessee Titans? And then on the flip side of this whole game is Marcus Mariota. Like, I think we're going to get a feel for, depending on how he plays, like how short that leash is to put in Ryan Tannenhill and, and what the Tennessee Titans are going to look like this season. So, Brady, i got a couple questions for you. So, Mariota, assuming he's healthy, he took most of the snaps in training camp. Brable said as much that he's going to be the starter, and Tannehill seemed to be confused when he was asked in week three of the preseason whether he's going to be in the mix for the starting job. And he's making $20.9 million a year. So I wonder what has to happen other than him getting hurt, which seems to happen every every uh, season, for Mariota to, to get benched, number one. And number two, how concerned are you about this Browns offensive line? Because I feel like on paper the Browns look great everywhere except the offensive line. Brinson tweeted about Greg Robinson getting cut and brought back, and while it's great to bring him back at a cheaper rate, the fact that you're cutting your left tackle just before the season would be troubling, I would imagine, if you're uh, Baker Mayfield. Yeah, I don't know why they don't go all in and try to trade for Trent Williams. I just It doesn't make sense for me. Like If Larry McTunsil awards two first-round picks, I don't know what Trent Williams would warrant because I think he's more proven, even though he's a little older and he's had some injuries. But either way, like if your season, to your point, Ryan, or your question, hinges on the offensive line, which I, I think it does, um, that would be concerning for me. So – uh, yeah, the offensive line is my biggest concern. Um, I'm not sure. I mean, you know, if Baker Mayfield gets hurt, season's over. Just, you know, throwing a towel. And so that would be a huge concern of mine because I do think this. I think the bottom eight teams in the league, and whether it's Miami or Arizona or whoever you want to throw into that conversation, I think they all have bad offensive lines. That's their one thing in common. So this game is still won in the trenches, and largely the teams that struggle the most have – Bad offensive lines, bad D-lines. And I think you could, you could literally look through team by team with losing records pretty much has that compared to the teams that are in the top half of the league. Um, you know, as, as far as Marcus Mariota, I think outside of getting hurt, I was looking at either four or eight games. I think if he's playing okay, like not the reason they're losing games, he makes it through eight. And if they're not in contention by then, then maybe you pull out the rug and say, let's put in Tannehill. We still have a shot at making the playoffs. Maybe he can spark something. If he just plays awful, if he looks bad and doesn't look like he's making, you know, the progress you're hoping for, I would say four games. Cause Tannehill looked that good when he got in. Uh, and all reports from training camp is he looked good enough to be able to take over. Uh, so, by the way, 2004, you were a sophomore at, uh, at Notre Dame, Notre Dame. I believe. Yeah. When uh, the last time the Browns won a week one season opener. That is a. Or who was the quarterback on that team in 04? Couch? Uh, Jeff Garcia. Oh, that's right. It was, uh, that's right. Butch Davis's last year. He was fired midway through or quit midway through and left. Been, uh, oh, Butch, where'd he go after you went to, uh, where'd he go there, Princeton? That's, not, UNC? that's not when he came to UNC, is it? I don't know. I thought it was, wasn't it? Or yeah. did we, it was there, there a little bit of a gap in between. Either way, I feel like you left UNC in a great position after that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, left, or left, not. Uh, left, uh, 
No, he went to, um, oh, where was he in between? He didn't come to Carolina until 07. Well, this is confusing me now. Walking the earth like Kane. Is he on TV for a little while? He might have been on TV. I mean, who, you know, uh, EK loves it. He, he was just, he wasn't, he wasn't coming. Oh, um, I don't know what he was doing. What the hell was he doing? He was doing TV. Either way, maybe it, it seemed like he left some skid marks when he left UNC. So and, it seemed and, like that didn't work out too well. And Cleveland. Yeah, left them both in, <laughs> left them both in great shape. Surely all his victories here at Miami had nothing like we're, we're above board. And we're, you oh, know, of course. Always. I mean, let's be honest. Like how many of the teams that are ultimately being really successful in college football right now are like, we're like, Oh yeah, they're above board. Like, yeah, of, of course. Yeah. It's like some I have to work with Matt, Matt Liner and Reggie Bush. I'm always just looking at him thinking, yeah, yeah, you guys were everything. It was just narrow, straight. Like, I mean, USC is probably known for that. And here's the best part. They're unabashedful, like, apologetic about it. Like, they don't care. They're like, yeah, I gave some guy $150,000 that I wanted my kid into USC. So so what? Big deal. Yeah, if I were Matt, if I were Matt Liner and Reggie Bush, I'd be like, yeah, I got paid mad cash to go to USC. What's the problem here? Um, I mean, it wouldn't reflect well, I guess, on who. Hey, by the way, Bush, Bush Davis was the last Coach to take the Browns to the playoffs, by the way. Show some, show the man some respect. Don't hate on Butch. Um, all right. Moving on to the next game that you're looking forward to, Brady. Steelers Patriots. Pretty big game. Steelers have a, it's <laughs> good analysis, right? Do the Steelers have a chance in New England on Sunday night? New of course they have a chance, but you know, I think everyone's just interested to see like what this team's going to look like without Antonio Brown. Um, you know, would Juju Smith-Schuster be able to be number one, who steps up in his slot, all that? Uh, how, how you know, would, for starters, it's a great matchup, right? Well, how would you defend if you're if you're Bill? How do you think Bill Belichick will deploy his take away the biggest weapon? Is this double down on Juju and uh, or is it load the box and stop James Conner? Well, I mean, for starters, you can kind of do both, sure. right? So if I'm going to load the box, that means I'm playing particularly a post high safety look, right? So there's a safety in the middle of the field instead of two. So I've got the additional number in the box, and then how you essentially double that player would be you just shade the safety to their side, uh, and you allow him to pay you know extra attention to him. So that's one way to do it. I mean, I think situationally, you know, because you're gonna have you know scenarios where if you're third and seven plus, you're gonna be a passing down, and so on that particular down, you're probably gonna play some sort of bracket coverage. And I think what teams do really well nowadays, compared to what they you know back in the day, you didn't see quite as much as. When they play a brackets coverage, right? Brackets, brackets coverage is just man to man, but you're going to double. You're going to in and out, you know, two wide receivers or, or two receivers, I, sh- I should say, on offense. And so what they do now is they give you a look where, like, let's just say it's going to be post high man to man coverage. So everyone's pressed up, right? Across the, across the line of scrimmage and you've got a safety in the, in the deep middle of the field. And as a quarterback, you're looking out saying, okay, I've got man to man. Where's my best matchup? And then at the snap of the ball, that safety ends up going to help. Maybe it's the X or single wide receiver on the backside of a three-by-one, and so they're doubling him. The corner then starts to bail, and he's got outside leverage, and he's and he's kind of funneling that receiver towards that post safety. Now it's doubling. And on the other side, maybe they're doubling the slot. And so initially you thought, okay, the, the nickel defender is, is playing head up on him. Next thing you know, he jumps to the outside. You've got a safety who was in the box disguising like he's got – you know, the, the tight end, but instead he's actually looking to jump out and, and double on that slot and a linebacker's taking the tight end. So, you know, all those sorts of things kind of play out where teams have done a better job of disguising how they get to their brackets coverage. And that would be one way if I was New England because they like to play man to man. That would be one way on how I'd try to neutralize Juju Smith Schuster. 
And then whoever that next player is that I feel like is is going to be effective, whether it's James Washington or um, whoever else you want to throw into that category. So the spread's five and a half, and the Patriots are going to cover. The Steelers have no chance of winning. As someone who's watched all these GD games, I've come <laughs> to the conclusion that unless – and Brinson, do you know the last time the, pay, the Steelers won in New England? Oh, in New England? Uh, yeah. 1974. No, 2008. <laughs> you know why? No. Tom Brady was hurt. Yeah. Yeah, Tom Brady was rolling around in a wheelchair. Matt Castle was out there getting strip sacked every other play. <laughs> so unless Tom Brady is going to show up in a wheelchair, I don't think the Steelers have much of a chance. They play terribly there. It's the first game of the season. We know the Steelers always start slow. I would love to see them win there, but I mean, it just it just ain't happening. Brady, let me ask you this: You talked about the Steelers or the, the the Patriots sort of clamping down Juju. What are you doing after you've taken whooping after whooping from Tom Brady? What are you doing differently defensively to try to? slow him down because I would imagine it's going to be a dink and dunk operation because Brady excels at that. You can't get to him. I don't know how you stop him with the running game. I don't know even where you start. Yeah. Well, I think the first thing where you start is people tend to look at like, all right, how do you get off the field versus new England? Well, I mean, you got to figure out a way of limiting their success on first and second down. And so uh, however you want to try to go about doing that, whether that's loading up the box to stop the run, because regardless of whatever people think, like they still want to run the football, right? They, they, they drafted Shelly Michelle last year for a reason. They took Damon Harris in the third round this year for a reason. They want to take pressure off of a guy who's 42 years old. Um, and, and so they're, they're going to still try to attempt to run the football. And so it would be really limiting that, like forcing them into third and, and seven plus, eight plus, where you know they've got to throw the football. And that's where you know he has to hold on to the football a little bit longer too, right? Like they can't just run some of these screens or some of these easy man-to-man pick routes. Um, and, and that way you can unleash a guy like T.J. Watt and the rest of the rushers to get after him. So, I mean, look, it, believe me, if, if I had the perfect game plan to stop him, you know, someone would hire me as a, a defensive coordinator or coach. Uh, few have been able to, to limit him, but I think the one thing you got to do is just figure out a way of getting pressures and hits on him. And so uh, that would be something that I would do if I was going to blitz. Uh, I would blitz the side of the back because I'd try to limit the ability to get the back out. That's always a big key of it, a key of their their offense. Um, but outside of that, I mean, you'd key on on a couple things, trying to shut down Edelman. Uh, now that they don't, they doesn't have Gronk, you know, force him to go to some other wide receiver that he's largely unproven with, and doesn't really have that chemistry with right now. Hey Brady, let me ask you a quick one more thing. How how important is trading up for Devin Bush and signing Mark Barron for what the Steelers want to do, particularly against the Patriots? Well, I think it allows them to match up with those guys and not have to, you know, change their coverage, right? It allows them to play man if they want to match up. Um, and they could put, a, you know, Mark Barron out there or Devin Bush out there on James White or whoever, right? Like that's a really valuable thing to be able to do because a lot of defenses, you know, teams will spread them out because they go, yeah, they're not going to put their linebacker out there because they know that's a mismatch and they're not willing to do it. So they'll have to play zone. And then if you play zone – Tom Brady will just pick you apart. He'll find the soft spots in the zone coverage. So it's 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 kind of a lose-lose, and that's where they've got the personnel now to match up, in my opinion. And so I think that's where they can mix in more man-to-man coverage, even though it's not something that they always like to do. Is it possible that the lack like the lack of Gronk could allow people to to beat the Patriots with more man coverage? Because typically, I mean, he, you know, even if you're doubling Gronk, you're still in a man situation where he's can he can beat those guys. Uh, but I mean, like you said, nobody wants to play zone against uh, the Patriots. You think you think any chance that the Patriots are fallible now uh, by to good defenses? Um, yeah, I mean, look, you know, back when 
Rex Ryan was um, with the Jets, you know, and he was having success early on, um, and they were bringing all those different exotic styles of, of blitzes and pressures. You know, that was one way of playing a zone coverage behind it, right? But it was all um, – it, it, it all relied on them being able to get pressure on Tom Brady. So that was the key. Uh, if they were going to play zone behind it, they had to disguise. They had to do something to get a hit on him, force him to put, throw the ball out early to spots where he really didn't want to. Um, and, and so, you know, defenses can try to do that. It's just it's hard to execute, and I don't know that that's really within um, the philosophy of what Pittsburgh's done in the past or what they want to do in the future. Um, so that's that's the tough part. And, and the man-to-man, time over time, again, you can look at any analytical stat and it'll prove it. Every quarterback has a lower completion percentage versus man-to-man coverage. It's just proven. The press man-to-man, it disrupts timing. It makes it changes routes a lot of times too. Um, if you're playing an off-zone coverage, I can throw it out on you or a stop route. Uh, or stop route's probably a bad, a bad example, but I can throw an out route on you all day long. The second you press my my you know receiver, now you have to basically adjust into a fade. So it change you know press man-to-man coverage will change your routes and a lot of your concepts. And what you're looking to do. You're, you're throwing to space that you know is going to be empty versus throwing and waiting for somebody to get open or hoping that your guy can beat somebody. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, some of it's changed. I mean, now teams play more match zone, so it's not quite as easy right. as it used to be. But, um, you know, usually you can figure out ways of, of scheming up that type of zone where you're flooding the zone with a levels concept or something of that nature. Uh, Chiefs, Jaguars. Chiefs might do a little flood every now and then. Can uh, <laughs> by, by the way, just really quickly, um, as in, uh, Zeke, Zeke Elliott's back in the country. And, uh, while we're recording this podcast, his agent, Rocky Arsenal, said that they are, quote, very, very close to a deal and basically said that Zeke would not come back to not do a deal. Uh, we're talking. They're committed and we're committed. That's why we're here. He also said Elliott is in shape to play Sunday if there is a contract. So, uh, we'll probably have more on that, uh, later today when you're listening or perhaps later tonight, depending on when the deal breaks. But Chiefs Jaguars, any chance Patrick Mahomes can do what he did last year? I mean, I think history's shown us that there's been, what, two quarterbacks to throw 50-plus touchdowns? Is that right? And neither one followed and, it up. Yeah, I think they regressed, what, on average 16 touchdowns in those follow-up years. So, um, I mean, given the fact that we know that's the history, teams have an entire year of a film on them, <clears throat> they're, they're going to look at trying to figure out ways of exploiting weaknesses. And and, and so I think it's going to be difficult for him to equate to that number again. Maybe he gets to 40, maybe not. I, I, don't, I don't know. Um, but I'm, I'm curious to see what kind of start they get off to. This is a, a Jacksonville Jaguars defense that got the best edge rush from the draft, in my opinion, in Josh Allen to add to Yannick Ngakwe and Calais Campbell and, and everyone else on their defense, not to mention they've got Jalen Ramsey, who I think can match up with Tyreek Hill. So, you know, bottom line is this defense for Jacksonville matches up, I think, favorably versus the Chiefs. And uh, on the flip side, they've got a quarterback now that can put up a little more production and actually match some of the offensive production if their defense falters that, that the Chiefs are, are known to produce. So kind of interesting just to see how both these teams, um, you know, really match up and, and what kind of game we get, whether it's high scoring, low scoring. It'll be kind of interesting. Brian, you're a noted uh, against the spread expert. What are you, uh, what are you eyeing here for uh, Jaguars plus four at home? Any chance the Jaguars pull off the upset? Um. <sighs> I'm not sold on Nick Foles. I say that every time I talk to you. So I'm skeptical about how that's going to work out. I don't know what Leonard Fournette feels. I don't know whether his heart's in it. It wasn't in it last year, so I don't know where he's at there. And I don't think that Mahomes is going to throw 50 touchdowns, but I think he has better playmakers around him. I think Sammy Watkins is going to have a huge year. I know you disagree with that. 
They drafted Nicole Hardman because they didn't know what Tyreek Hill was going to, whether he would be avail- available. He is available. I think Shady McCoy will, will, will provide something. I don't know what, but they have Damian Williams there. Uh, they have, um, what's his name? Darwin Thompson, Thompson yeah. who was awesome in, in the Did preseason. Did I say that Devontae Parker might have more receiving yards than Sammy Watkins? Did I yeah. say that? Yeah, man, that it's was, a, sure, it's a long off season. You drink a lot of toppies, you say a lot of things. Um, right, well, what's better, the uh, Chiefs defense or the Jags offense? Ugh, that's close. I mean, the Chiefs drafted some guys on defense that can help, but I don't know if they're going to be better. They let, um, uh, what's his name, go to the 49ers. They let Justin Houston go to the Colts. Um, so uh, what's his name? What's the guy from the 49ers they got? Uh, that would be D Ford. D Ford, thank you. And I mean, really, they drafted. Really locked into these rosters right before the season starts. So I, I know. Like well, I, I I can't remember the names after they drafted. I move on to the to regular season. They drafted Juan Thornhill, but they lost Honey Badger. So they mixed and matched some guys. I don't know if this defense is going to be any better. I think the offense will be better. I suspect that Nick Foles will provide an upgrade over over uh, Blake Bortles. How much though? Is he two or three wins better than Blake Bortles? I I'm not convinced. I don't know. Here's what I want to see right away. You know, Jacksonville wants to run the football. Kansas City was awful at stopping the run. Mm. And so is that problem fixed? Because if it's not, I, I just feel like it's going to be an uphill battle for Kansas City to replicate what they did last year and constantly have to win games. I don't want to say in shootouts, but it just seemed more often than not, we were dealing with a Chiefs team that had to put up a bunch of points in order to win football games. The We had that stretch of three games from week 14 to week 16 last year where they played the Ravens and they won it overtime. They played the Chargers and lost by one. And they played the Seahawks in Seattle and lost uh, 38-31. Now, that was more of a shootout, that, that last game. But we saw those are three offenses that were really good at running the football. So this, I, I'm with you. I, I think I like the Jaguars to win the game. I think if they can get in there. Oh, and, I'd definitely take the points, right? I mean, yeah, that's a, a home dog. Give it to me all day, every day. Ass Brady. Look at this get off. Degenerate up in here. I like how at pro athletes like get done. They're like, like you, you not as much, Brady, but like a lot of these guys are like, like Chris Long was like, like I saw him like tweeting the other day. He's like, like, like I'm betting on this and this. I mean, like, like it just seems like all these guys get done with football and immediately just like start gambling, which is first time I walked into a sports book. I was just amazed by how much fun it is. And, uh, and just, I was thinking to myself, like, yeah, I kind of have some inside knowledge on how the game works. So why would I not want to use that to my, you know, use my expertise in that regard just to have a little fun with it. So I'll never forget. I was actually. So I, to say this, I was in the Bahamas, um, and obviously they're dealing with some tough times right now. But sure. uh, in the Bahamas, I one of the sports books there, and I was like, this is the greatest thing ever. Like having the ability to go in there and just watch games but also bet on it and have a little more more on the line. It was awesome. It was a ton of fun. And unfortunately, you obviously can't partake in that when you're actually playing. Yeah. If you had, if you had known about that, do you think you would have, if you'd known about that feeling, do you think you would have fallen prey to the, to the Pete Rose style, like I'm betting on myself? Uh, no, I don't think I would have done that. Um, you'd be, you'd, but, you'd really need that million dollars on the CBS parlay game if you'd been betting on the Browns, like throughout, you know. Like, well, I, I, maybe, maybe I would have like looked at it and been like a little more, you know, interested in the lines and everything else <laughs> and what people actually were saying about some of the line movement and all that. Uh, by the way, Nick Falls as a starter under John DiFilippo, now the Jaguars offensive coordinator in 2017, including the postseason five and one, 24.5 points per game, 64.2% completion percentage, 235 yards, 11 touchdowns and three interceptions. Pretty good numbers. Final game that Brady's eyeing Colts at Chargers. 
Give me the rundown. Jacoby Brissett. It's an upgrade over Andrew Luck. We all know that, but explain to me why, Brady. <laughs> <laughs> I hope you're kidding there. I am kidding. Uh, just it's just old, to it's see. It's the old Tuffy talking. <laughs> yeah, I say, a little, little Tuffy. Um, I'm curious to see what this team's going to be. You know, if, if they're going to be competitive, if they're not, if this was shocking to them, uh, I'm just kind of curious. And then on the flip side, you know, you got the a Chargers, I think, are a team that I think is going to be in competition for the AFC Championship. I want to see it. I want to see how they uh, look this year without Melvin Gordon, if that's going to be a storyline that we're all of a sudden talking about six weeks from now. Like, man, if they only get Melvin Gordon back, that would help this team, you know, push them over the edge. So it's just our first glimpse of that and our first glimpse at, you know, what the Andrew Luck-less uh, Indianapolis Colts look like. I'm I'm all over the Colts here. I'm all in on Jacoby Brissett. I feel like I should be Will Brinson since Jacoby went to NC State. But That's true. I think uh, we talked about it. In 2017, he struggled because it was a different team. There was no one around him. Frank Reich's there. Chris Ballard's there. I think Chris Ballard is perennially the best GM and in, in uh, one of the best GMs of the NFL. That team is stacked. If Andrew Luck were healthy, this, this would be a Super Bowl team. So I think this is a nine-win team. And I don't know. I mean, Brinson's not sold – on the Chargers this season for I don't know why he must maybe he knows something that we don't maybe uh, Phil Rivers' wife is pregnant with triplets or something but uh, if he's not sold <laughs> on the Chargers then I'm skeptical I think Wait, James what do you mean by that Ryan he's not sold he's not picking to win the Super Bowl I'm not I'm off the, I think I'm off the Chargers this year I'm, I'm worried the Derwin James thing has me scared that offensive yeah. what about that offensive line Brady it's not good like I get that Phil Rivers would play behind plenty of bad offensive lines. Everybody's just a little dinged up. Everybody's kind of assuming they'll be good. The, you know, the Chiefs didn't lose Tyreek Hill the way I thought they would. The Broncos, I think, would be pretty good. I don't know. That just a little bit. Broncos different. are a sneaky team. I'd keep an eye on. Yeah. I just with that defensive front, and I do think Mike Munchak, by the way, he's yeah. the old line coach out there. He is so underestimated as far as the impact he can have. Like Dante Scarnecki in New England, like Mike Munchak's going to be that in Denver this year. I'm, I'm saying Denver will be very competitive. In that division. I might pick Denver to win that division. Go for it. You, you would, though. You would, though. Sure. Maybe get some clicks. Some, How uh, about this? Drink a few more Tuffies, marinate on it, and then maybe maybe you make that pick. I don't even need the Tuffies. Um, I, was on, <laughs> I was on San Diego Radio with my buddy Darren Smith, and he was uh, he was like, I want to hear you division by division, because last year, you know, you pointed out you picked the Steelers to miss the playoffs. Uh, you picked the Chiefs to win the AFC West. They were not favored to win the AFC West. And everybody out here called you crazy. And so who you got this year? And I, I said, he goes, everyone thought you were drunk when you made those picks. I said, well, maybe I was. <laughs> you but, say, well, yes. Yeah. Well, yes, but they were still correct. I mean, like, it doesn't matter. <laughs> like, you know, yeah. <laughs> maybe that's your thing. Maybe you're, uh, you're a savant when you're drinking. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> Please. <laughs> Clearly. Um, I, I, what percentage chance would you give Indy of upsetting the Chargers? Uh, what's the line on that one, Ryan? Is it minus six out of this six and a half? Yeah. Uh, are they playing in Indy? No, no, it's in. Yeah, they're in the oh, soccer yeah. stadium. Yeah, but it may as well be a home game for them. Yeah. Um, I, I, not very high. I, I think six points is a lot for an opener because you really don't know what to expect. There's some rust there. Um, yeah, I, I, I wouldn't take Indy in that one. I just I think it's it's going to be tough for them to adjust. You know, maybe at some point they find their flow, but um, it would be tough for them to adjust at this point. I don't know. Six is a lot. Six is a lot. It was uh, three before the uh, Andrew Luck entry, which is kind of weird. Like or the retirement, excuse yeah, me. Telling you, it's only three and a half point move for Andrew Luck retiring. That's that's not that much. It tells you a lot about Jacoby Brissett and maybe how good this team is. Yeah, there little, you go, old, old little Toughy. Win this one for Toughy. 
We went in for Tuffy. Uh, all right, anything else who, you're eyeing? Who is we- Tuffy? Who is Tuffy? He's the wolf. It, that's what his name is? That's the wolf. That's that not always been the same, has it? The strut wolf is old Tuffy. He's not really no old Tuffy. I, I, I helped come up with it. I didn't help. I mean, I was, yeah, it's, it's, anyway. No wonder, um, you, no wonder NC State can't win more games. How, how weak is the ACC? My gosh. I know. We got to put up a Notre Dame, this terrible Notre Dame team. That yeah. Who moved up, who moved up a spot in the AP poll, by the way, after they, after they had just a, a measly 18 point victory over Louisville. Hey, how about, uh, how about Syracuse shutting out Liberty while Hugh Freeze was wearing, uh, was lying in a hospital bed? Was that, have, you, was, ever, have you ever seen well, anything like that? Wait a second. So the the game's on a seven second delay. Is he on the phone and then watching the game? How's that working? Is he on Skype? What's going on? He's up in the coaching box. No, yeah, they got no, a headset. They, no, they put it. No, they put a hospital bed in the coaching oh, box. Get out of here. And, he's, yeah. and, and, and on the way out, Dino Babers like pointed up, was like, "I got you." And like he's like, "Thanks, buddy." It's like, "What are you doing?" Oh, Get out fantastic. Of here. I uh, I don't know why more coaches that like the Bobby Bowdens of the world or the <laughs> Frank, Bill Schneider's Frank like, Beamer. how are they? How, yeah, Frank Beamer. How are they not? How do they not just? I mean, if that's what Hugh Freeze is going to do, I would be all over that for the rest of my life. I would, I would literally have my last dying words be a play call in the second <laughs> quarter of of the, my last game when I'm in my 90s and just be on my last deathbed trying to speak through my coach's mic as to what the play would be, and then that's it. Or, or, or you just like you just you get somebody the trainer to put a cast on your leg, and be like, well, I broke my leg, got a coach in the hospital bed in the, in the in the room up here. What are you gonna do? It's like Bobby, we know you, we know you didn't break your leg. You're just just trying to stay in the AC, you old man. Yeah, you should have had a lazy boy up there. That'd have been even better. Um, oh, man. he's got like Crown and Coke sitting there in his hand too. He's like, nah, just Coca Cola. Kick it! No, should we kick on fourth down, Bobby? Go for it! Hell, go for it! It's like you're on your own twenty-four, coach. That's all right. <laughs> I don't worry about it. Uh, is that, is that uh, Sebastian Genacal? He's got a leg on him. <laughs> oh wait, no, you can't drink. You can't drink at Liberty. He can't have a crown of Coke up there. He's, he's got to be drinking Coke. Don't oh, run you. Cool. Definitely Syracuse, right? Sneak a flask in there. No, it was, it was at Liberty. Oh, it was. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, Lynchburg, Virginia. I was driving by before my car almost blew up. Did you, uh, Br- Brady? Did you hear about what? this? Who knows? Blew up. What do you mean? Right, you Ryan, you, Ryan you, was, can't, you can't tell the story because it takes too long. But long, long, long I'll give ten second. I'll give the ten second. Okay, okay. Driving my family north over Labor Day weekend from North Carolina back to uh, New York. Didn't, and, didn't come uh, see me. 81. Didn't come see me. Just put that up for didn't the record. Him. Of course not. On Interstate eighty one. A huge piece of metal was kicked up in front of our car. Went underneath our car. Loud bang. Ripped our uh, gas tank open. Ruptured it. So exactly that the Brady face there is yeah. the, the same look I got from Brenton. Had to pull over the gas station, gas gush, gu- gushing out. My wife's like, everybody out of the car. <laughs> <laughs> you would think it's like a movie. It's going to like blow up immediately, right? Yeah. So we were straight for four hours, got home a little late. That was it. So I saw uh, yeah. a couple of Syracuse fans coming back from the game. But like, what, it, does insurance cover that? Like it's just a random debris in the road? Yeah. Um, my insurance company does cover it, but there's a deductible that I'm sure it will probably max out. So that was a, it was, it was a rental car. It was a rental car. Right, rental car. Right, exactly. Oh, okay, that's not too bad. Then. Yeah, you're fine nah. there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, nothing parties like a rental. You know, you can you can yeah, do it. One of those cars. Yeah, that's right. That's just show, just uh, by the way, show, uh, except you got to show back up with a full tank of gas. That's yeah, sort of right. a problem. Right. But, that's it. but yeah, other than that, you can do whatever you want. Right. Sort of a problem when your gas tank is ruptured. I literally <laughs> dropped forty bucks. I filled the tank five seconds before this happened, so I just blew. 40, I might as well just burn forty bucks through it out the window. But that was awesome. But, uh, uh, Brenton, before we go, one more thing that yeah. I'm sure both of you guys will be interested in. My first mock draft of the season comes out. Yes. Hey, as well, you're listening to this, go read the mock draft. 
can I ask you this? Can you give yeah. me any hints to – you obviously have some quarterbacks at the top of it, I assume? Yeah, number one. going to, Miami's got the first pick, so. Okay, okay. Just tell me this much. East Coast, West Coast quarterback as your number one. Um, South, South East Conference quarterback. Okay. Let's, let's, uh, just, let's let me just, just say this. Let's just say There's he's a guy. Hold on. Let's just There's say, a, let's just say he's not going to, uh, he's not going number two. Uh, <laughs> he's not going to, uh, tell he's me. He's not going to, um, he's not going to fall to two. Uh, uh, go ahead, Brady. The, the low key guy you got to keep an eye on right now. Mm. Is love out, oh, out of Utah State. State. Oh That's, my gosh, man. Watched, that kid's gonna skyrocket next I year. I watched the, uh, I watched the weight game on Sunday when I got home from, from nearly my near. Oh death. yeah, I was watching some of that game. That kid's really good. No, he's yeah. really good. And he's he played really with Darwin, good. he played with Darwin Thompson last year. He played with Dax Raymond, the tight end who, who ended up not um, getting drafted. He got cut, but he was a good tight end. They have some players on that team and he has, he can throw the ball out of the stadium. Um, he made some mistakes. I think he had three touchdowns, three interceptions that weight game, but he is a guy that will probably sneak into the first round. Brady, let me ask you this. I don't know if you watched, um, Washington. I know you, you covered him. I watched him. I was very impressed by him. I was shocked, shocked how impressed I was by Jacob Eason. And, and I actually think if he plays, continues to play like that, there's no doubt in my mind he'll come out after this year because he's got the type of arm strength. And when you're watching him on film, that thing is on a string across the screen. I mean, it just, it goes, and they have a different element they have not had in a long time at Washington. They can stretch the field vertically with those fast wide receivers, and, and that's what he – he heaved a 65-yard bomb and out threw Aaron Fuller, literally. From their own 35, he threw it all the way to the goal line, and he overthrew him. And I was like, they haven't seen this in over four years. I mean, not when Jake Browning was there. I mean, Jake Browning could, could never overthrow his wide receivers. This ball literally was five yards ahead of Aaron Fuller, and I was like – that's different, and that very well may end up helping them win the Pac-12 this year. So I'll give you a little hint. I have him going at the bottom of the first round because I'm overreacting to that first game against Eastern Eastern Washington to the Saints. I don't know, man. I liked a lot of what I saw from him. I think there could be four guys out of this class, maybe five that go in the first round. But there's nobody who needs a quarterback right now. Like- uh, that'll be different after the season. Tampa Bay, Tennessee, Miami. Tampa Bay, yeah, Tennessee, Miami, Cincinnati. That's four right there. Arizona. And eventually you're going to start looking at teams who are drafting to replace some of these older guys too, right? Jacksonville could be in the mix. I have them taking a the quarterback in this first one. So anyway, that's Ara- uh, if you listen to this podcast. Arizona. <laughs> Stop it. After you listen to this podcast, go read the mock draft and yell at me. Hey, Brady. At- one, on Twitter. I got one more thing for you, Brady, then we'll get out of here. Sorry. Um, is a lot of those – Cardinals players were talking about how they're going to unveil, like, oh, Cliff's been doing it vanilla. We're about to unleash a nuclear warhead on on uh, everybody once the regular season starts. Is that is that actually true? Do you think? I don't know about that. I think you're you're going to see a ton more screens. You're going to see you know some different formations and things that are effective at the college football level. Like you don't see see too many times where it's like four by one, right, in these empty formations, and you're really trying to isolate a single wide receiver or try to create. Um, just space to one side of the field. It's hard to do because you have more narrow hashes in the NFL. So that's part of the reason too, um, where the hashes are wider in college. But that's something to keep an eye on. I, I'll be curious to see because they're one of the teams that, as I alluded to before, has a really bad offensive line. And and no matter what you do schematically, if you can't block them up front, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, good stuff. Let's get out of here. Great podcast. Excited for week one. Are you pumped for some football, guys? All right. yeah, I've already been watching football. Where have you been? I've been watching football too. 
I've been watching, I watch a lot of football on Saturday. I'll tell you that. Part. Go have another toughie. All right. All right hey, Ryan, it's always good talking to you, man. Likewise, Brad. <laughs> Talk soon, brother. Oh, by the way, two podcasts coming tomorrow. Heath Cummings on Fantasy Vice and a preview with Jared Dubin of the, uh, Cubs, Cubs, Jesus, Bears and Packers game. It's been, it's been long. Too many times. Talk to you guys tomorrow. Sounds good.